another big weekend in the sports world. Montreal Grand Prix, U.S. Open. Toronto Blue Jays, of course, continuing their schedule. Big one tonight, though. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but let's get into the Blue Jays discussion. Once again, with our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That is Ben Shulman, Blue Jays radio broadcaster here at Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Not a problem. You'll be filling in uh, all week. For Ben Wagner, play-by-play duties in the booth. Uh, looking forward to hearing those calls. You're probably looking forward to he- seeing Jose Barrios back on the bump again. Uh, this has been a really, really positive story for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think he had his best moment uh, of the season last night in Baltimore. What do you make of the bounce back from Jose Barrios, how he's turned around uh, and really closed the door on last season and really turned around after a difficult start to this season? It seems like Jose Barrios is back-back. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, it it sounds simple, but I think he just is doing everything that he was doing for five or six seasons that got him this trade to the Blue Jays, that got him this big contract and put those expectations on him. He is looking, you know, with maybe a little more slurves than he used to throw. He's really leaning in to that huge breaking ball, but he is looking like himself. And yeah, I, I would agree. He's all the way back. If you look at, you know, 12 start stretches in his career, like the one he's on right now, This is the best ERA he's ever had in a 12-start stretch right now at 2.27. And frankly, I'll admit it, yesterday I I thought he might throw a no-hitter. He got Mm -hmm. pretty close. Uh, And, you know, in in Toronto, that can be a testy thing to ask for because it's only happened once. But uh, it it got really close. He looked phenomenal yesterday. So we were talking about this earlier in the show about the difficulties of maybe being on the radio versus television side and discussing a no-hitter because there's obviously the taboo. You don't say no-hitter. You do need to tell the people on the radio what is going on in the count. But, you know, Dan Shulman has the advantage of having a little score bug up on the TV. People are watching with their eyes. They don't need to hear it. Refer to the score bug. But Ben and you yourself and Ben Shulman and Ben Wagner and everybody else that's in the box has a little bit of a different strategy around it. So do you think about that when you're calling a game and you're like, I don't want to say there's a no hitter, but I need to tell the listeners that there is a no hitter going on. I think about it a little bit. I'll admit I'm not a very superstitious person, That's but I best. do <laughs> I do understand that baseball is an incredibly superstitious sport. So I don't believe I said that he has a shot at a no-hitter at any point. But, you know, Blake and I might say something like, only four hits for the Orioles tonight, or only four hits for the Blue Jays tonight, and that's four more than the Orioles have Mm. so far. Or only a walk and a hit-by-pitch so far for the Orioles. So I I do really want to make sure people know, because like you said, you know, if you're driving in the car especially, you you can't look at the box score. Hopefully you're not looking at the box score. (laughs) And you don't have a score bug or anything like that. So I do want to make sure, first and foremost, that people understand this situation but yeah i understand that a lot of people if i said oh jose barrios no hits through six they might be a little bit worried about that so i tried to stay away from being too explicit well you had blake there just filling up the stats bucket and finding different ways to say it so yeah statistically there are zero hits on the board (laughs) they are batting zero points or zero zero on the night um against jose barrios uh and part of that was uh the defense of jose barrios not that you know he was picking off rockets that were going to go into center field, but he was really showcasing everything that it means to be a pitcher last night. Uh, Obviously pitching very, very well himself off the mound, but fielding the position as well. Do you see like gold glove caliber defense out of Jose Barrios? 
Absolutely. I mean, he, he is an incredibly athletic pitcher. He and Yusei Kikuchi both field their position really well. Blake and I were trying to make some comparisons yesterday, whether you think, you know, his was Sean Markham going a little bit deeper back. I, I tried to stay a little more recent with maybe a Marcus Stroman, who was a really good fielder as well. But I, I think the Blue Jays have, you know, one of the better fielders off the mound in baseball in Barrios, they weren't just easy plays that he was making. The first play he made, he was sprinting and snagged the high chopper going off to his left and still got to first. He caught a liner from Adley Rushman. That wasn't scorched, but still, it's you know, you're only 60 feet away and a guy hits the ball 80 miles per hour. It still takes some pretty good reflexes to snag that out of the air. So it, it is always really fun, I think, to watch a pitcher who can field a ton. There was a funny play to end the first after he had made two plays already where there's a pop-up right in front of the mound and for a second he was looking around like, is anyone going to get this? Like, I can catch this ball if you need to. And then Matt Chapman stepped in and made the catch anyway, but uh, he is you know quite the athlete, not one of your typical pitchers that's going to get out of the way of a ball that's hit right at him. So when, like, he's talking about his his confidence level, or he's dealing with his own confidence issues uh, based off last season, but, and like, every Blue Jays fan has their own way that they're viewing Jose Barrios and the lens to which they uh, view his, his turnaround here, and I think for everyone else, they might have a different point where they're like, hey, he's got it again. Like, we're confident again in this pitcher. Was there a moment during the season where you felt that way, or was it as as early or as late as last night where he takes a no hitter into the seventh inning. For me, you know, I can't say that I totally saw this coming a month ago, but he had a start against Boston on May 1st, which is his real only blemish that he's had in this stretch. And, and truthfully it was because the blue Jays left him in too long because the bullpen was thin. They didn't want to leave him in. He gives up a couple runs later else. It would have been a good appearance, but he came back against Pittsburgh on May 6th and looked phenomenal. Struck out seven, didn't give up any runs until its final inning of that appearance. And just the ability to completely bounce back. Last year, he would go through these times where he would look really good. I mean, he had two 13 strikeout games last year and at times would dominate. And then all of a sudden, he'd go through the stretch where it felt like he couldn't get anybody out. But right after, you know, having two good outings, then the bad loss and outing, he completely bounces back in Pittsburgh. And it did have a different feel to it. It just... He looked different, kind of like when you watch Yusei Kikuchi sometimes on the mound this year. Confidence-wise, emotion-wise, he just looked a lot different on the mound, looked a lot more in control. And so there were, there were inklings there. I'm not going to say that I called this back on May 6th, but there were inklings there. And then as he kept it going, you know, through a couple starts in May, he's the only guy to beat the Rays during that brutal stretch against the AL East that the Blue Jays had. He looked really good in that start as well. And I think it all just kind of accumulated to the point we're at now where if you're a Blue Jays fan, I think you should feel absolutely confident. You know, not that anyone can get every single out every day. Kevin Gosman got hit in his last start. But that most days Jose Barrios is going to go out there. The Blue Jays have a better chance at winning than losing. Speaking with Ben Shulman, Blue Jays radio broadcaster with us at Sports at 590, the fan. Okay, so yesterday we saw some changes to the batting order and um, most notably Vladdy serving as DH and moving to the cleanup spot and a couple other tweaks. Now, what did you make of the new look lineup? And I mean, they didn't really uh, hit the lights out in terms of uh, an offensive production, but a win nonetheless. But what, what's um, John Schneider's approach to, to doing this um, right now, especially against a, a really tough opponent and um, a series that they have an opportunity to win tonight today. 
Yeah, there were a couple different, you know, there were a lot of changes, obviously, with Kiermaier sliding mm-hmm. up to seven, Merrifield back to eight, Alejandro Kirk sliding ahead of Matt Chapman, and obviously the, the headline, like you mentioned, Vladdy going back to the cleanup spot. I, I do think they wanted Vladdy in the cleanup spot for this stretch in general. They had put him there for two games before Brandon Belt went on or got injured and then eventually would end up on the injured list. So I think for Vladdy, you know, they figure if they get more guys on in front of him, he is their best hitter this year with runners in scoring position. Although the eye test may not match it, the numbers would say that, you know, he at least has the best batting average with runners in scoring position. So I think you throw more bodies in front of him. That probably helps. You put Kirk behind him because I think that forces guys to pitch to him more. Aaron Boone had mentioned way back in the Yankee series that they didn't pitch to Vladdy once because there were strikeout guys behind him. And Matt Chapman, even when he's going at his best, is a guy who I think has a lot of swing and miss in his game. So you move Matt Chapman a little bit away from Vladdy to hope that gets Vladdy better pitch selection. I think there doesn't have to be a ton of explanation on why Kevin Kiermeyer has moved up. He's just looks really good this year, and why not slide him up? But I am interested to see as they continue to shuffle the lineup because they're not hitting enough right now. It's been a long enough stretch that – you know, they have to change things up just to see what will happen. I wonder if Whit Merrifield ends up getting a big bump up in the order. He he took a, a move down yesterday, and a lot of that was just to break up the lefties. You had Kevin Biggio in and Kevin Kiermeyer, and you didn't want to have those two guys hitting back-to-back. But Whit Merrifield just continues to go out there and hit like nobody's business. Three hits yesterday, leads the team, uh, or sorry, second on the team in batting average. Obviously, the batting title leader in Bo Bichette right now at 319, but Whit Merrifield batting 308, hitting for enough power, not in terms of home runs, but a lot of doubles. And I do think at a certain point here, if you want to provide Vladdy some good protection to get him some hits, have someone behind him that pitchers are worrying about, I think Whit Merrifield might be that perfect guy to stick right behind Guerrero, at least until there's a little bit more health and you get Brandon Belt back. Yeah, hitting hitting effectively behind Vladdy uh, would be another feather in the cap of management who uh, made a pretty nice deal getting with Merrifield uh, last season at the deadline. Uh, What do you make of Vlad's issues overall? Like, obviously, they're making some adjustments to try and maybe get him going, but maybe to optimize the roster as well. But, uh, you know, Kevin Barker yesterday on Blair and Barker had a pretty scathing review of his process right now. And that's for the trained eye, right? Like, I'm I'm hearing him say that. I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I'm going that far. And I, I don't necessarily see that. But I'm also not a guy who was a professional hitter at one time. So when you look at Vladdy's struggles, what his approach is, what he's trying to do, what opponents are trying to do to him, like, do you have an explanation for what's going on? I do think it's a bit of a combination of things. You know, I think I think Kevin definitely has some good points talking about the approach, the pitch selection from Vladdy. A lot of the numbers would show that, you know, he, he's chasing a little bit more, swinging and missing a little bit more. But Joe Siddle as well on Jay's Talk Plus yesterday talking about Vladdy's swing mechanics too. And that's, that's probably the part where it gets a bit beyond me as well. You know, being a guy that's never hit a ball, probably past like 75 to 80 miles per hour at the, the peak of my, uh, you know, peewee athletic career. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think there are a lot of things that are, are going into it. I don't think his swing looks quite as, you know, quick to the ball as it used to. And I think sometimes, you know, he's extending himself on, you know, some sliders and some other breaking balls low and away out of the zone right now, pitches that he was laying off at his best. But it is it is a really difficult case because, you know, the, the underlying numbers don't mean everything. But he is still hitting the ball about as hard as anyone else. And when you look at expected stats to try and calculate for, okay, if you hit the ball this hard and at these launch angles, what should you be hitting? His numbers are 
similar expected wise to some of the top hitters in major league baseball. Like they would assert that the contact that he's making means he should be a top seven or eight hitter in baseball. Now I'm not totally saying that that's the case. You can't get that unlucky to go from, you know, top seven or eight to being top 80, something like that. But I do think there is a certain element here of if you hit the ball hard enough for a long enough time, it is going to start to drop. I think there's a lot of pressure on him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pressing a little bit to try and get hits, and therefore that's a reason that he's swinging at some pitches that he wouldn't have been swinging at in the past. But I do think to a certain extent, if he just makes some small mechanical changes to his swing and keeps swinging, if you keep hitting the ball 105 miles an hour, baseball tells us that eventually you should pick up a ton of hits. Uh, statistically, Bo's been better than Vlad, even struggling through this month uh, uh, just a little bit. Uh, Bo's numbers declining um, since the start of June, uh, but not an issue there, obviously. I mean, there's ebb and flow uh, in a baseball season for sure. But it seems like, you know, not that necessarily handling the struggles better, but, you know, still being productive even when it's not going as much as it was. I mean, Bo had a huge moment last night picking up a Whit Merrifield mistake, driving in a run late and giving the Blue Jays an insurance uh, run to really put themselves in a good position and make, you know, the late game scare from Jordan Romano not as scary as it could have been. Is that like one of the big differences But with looking at these two uh, superstars right now? Like, even though when it's not going great for Bo, the production's still there. And may- maybe that you could say the same about Flatty, and maybe it's just the baseline that's different. But Bo, even with the struggles, still find- finding ways to produce. I would say it's a difference this year because you only have to look back to last year when it was, you know, Vladdy is struggling a bit for Vladdy, but he's a guy with an eight something OPS and Bo is struggling to maintain a mid sevens OPS. And now that feels like 10 years ago now because Bo got hot in September and has carried it all the way through. But I, I do think that that's a difference this year, but I wouldn't necessarily say Overall, as the player, baseball is such a weird sport year to year compared to other sports where you just never know which guys are going to fluctuate in a good or bad way. But the, the one thing about Bo is, you know, the contact skills, the ability to put the bat on the ball. I'm, I'm not sure there's anyone better right now on this team, maybe even in this league, even when Bo, you know, for him, it was a lot of swinging at pitches out of the zone over the last little bit. And it's understandable when you're hitting everything, you know, below the sun right now, you may as well swing at everything because you think you can hit everything out of the ballpark and so for him it's about honing in on his strike zone a little bit more just like Vladdy but his swing mechanics look impeccable right now he is still bat to ball really well and still tracking everything and still has you know a really good gauge of how to take a certain pitch to a certain part of the field you know spraying some of the inside pitches getting his hands inside to right field as he always does so you know I I do think that it's a difference this year I don't know if I ascribe it overall to the players but for for Bo Bichette right now, his swing looks so good that even when he goes through these rough stretches, if he can just settle down and remember which parts of the zone he's really trying to attack, he'll end up coming up with big hits like he did yesterday. Chatting with Ben Shulman this morning. Um, okay, so I know that Alec Manoa has been a little bit out of mind this week. I think we're trying to move past the everyday Alec Manoa conversation, but we do know that he pitched a simulated game. And and I think many people, including us, don't really know what a simulated game would entail. So what do we know about what Alec Manoa was up to on the weekend and and what that might mean for his progress? Yeah, so a simulated game, you know, in a way is what it sounds. The Blue Jays are going to put, you know, some of their Florida Complex League guys in there and bat Manoa in real situations. The first guy comes up and it's not just, live batting practice where you're just 
throwing different pitches. It's a count. They have someone there calling balls and strikes. It might just be a coach doing it. They might be self doing it, but they have someone there calling balls and strikes, real situations for Alec Manoa. And if, of course he's pitching against guys in the complex league. I mean, uh, you know, aside from a, from a rehabbing Addison Barger, you're not exactly seeing, you know, major league quality hitters there, but for Manoa, an opportunity to work on his mechanics, work on, you know, his feel for different pitches, work on his grips and see if he can, you know, come up with something here that builds some confidence for him going forward. So it's a a small step, I think, towards a a path to coming back. And there are likely more simulated games coming up for Alec Manoa in the future. And then some, hopefully some rehab minor league games. I, I still, you know, am not super optimistic that this is like a one or two week thing. I think, you know, that Alec Manoa is not going to be a blue Jay on Canada day. If I had to guess, I'm not, I have no knowledge on that, but just speculating, but uh, it is definitely a, you know, a step in the right direction as he gets back on the mound here and, you know, tries to get, you know, his mind and his arm right towards pitching in the major leagues and then the elite level again. The hope is that one Alec Manoa from last year, at least can be replaced by uh, Bowden Francis, Mitch White and Thomas Hatch, or a combination of those three, a nucleus made up of those three plus other relievers uh, that the Blue Jays are running out there. It's a bit of an experimental season, at least it seems, but we saw a little bit more of that uh, after the Bassett blow up the other night. Um, What's like, in terms of like positives, what are you grasping onto when you look at that little trifecta, how they're going to make up this bullpen game? Is there something real? Is there something tangible? Is there something to build on uh, when looking at what you have in terms of the Manoa replacement? Yeah, I think there are definitely at least some small positives to take away. Bowden Francis was phenomenal in his season debut at the Rogers Center. Ended up looking really good over 33 pitches through a ton of strikes. Has a lot of movement on his pitches. Wasn't as good in the game one against Baltimore, but it was a very different situation, to be fair, instead of high leverage in a spot that really mattered. The Blue Jays were down by a touchdown at that point. I think, you know, for the Blue Jays, a big opportunity to find out what they have in Mitch White at this point. A couple starts last year that were up and down at the best of times but he's injured to start this year you don't see a ton of him so hey if if he ends up pitching in that uh you know in a bulk role as well you you really get more of an idea of what you have there in white going forward as you know some guys try and get healthy like a manoa a chad green a zach pop or you add to the bullpen it's going to be you know good to know is white a guy that you want to pitch in big spots going forward or not and then for thomas hatch Hey, you know, he, he had a very good 2020. There hasn't been a ton of major league action since he was the guy that looked the best in the game one against Baltimore. He ended up pitching around an error to strike out two and pitch a scoreless inning. He is someone that, you know, is used to pitching in the major leagues for sure. And has some experience there. The most experienced as the blue Jay of any of those three guys. So, you know, I think for the blue Jays, it's obviously not where you want it to be. Very few teams pitch bullpen games on purpose. Even the Tampa Bay race this year aren't pitching bullpen games on purpose, but you do have three guys with some different pedigrees and some different, you know, moments of success that you want to loop together and see, you know, if you're only pitching each of them two innings or something, you're not overextending them so much. And you might be able to get six innings out of that and go to the bullpen. And I think the good news for the blue Jays, at least as they head into today 
is they have a very well-rested bullpen today. Eric Swanson hasn't gone yet in this Orioles series. Jordan Romano just went for the first time. And then you might have Kevin Gosman coming up on Friday. And if that's the case, you likely have a pretty well-rested bullpen for Saturday just in case anything happens. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Adam Simber is going to come off the paternity list on Friday. You only get three days on that list. Someone is going to go down. Bowden Francis came up for him. It doesn't have to be Bowden Francis that goes down. So that could be a a big thing, too, is one of Hatch, White, or Francis, the guy who comes off the roster when Adam Simber comes back. That'll be interesting to know. But I, I do think there are some reasons for optimism heading into the bullpen day. It wasn't necessarily an explosion of talent and potential from the Baltimore Orioles last night. They were kind of stifled, or they were a lot stifled, rather, by Jose Barrios. Uh, But this team is pretty, pretty impressive, and they've been a nightmare for the Blue Jays to start this season. But when you gaze into your crystal ball and look in two, three years down the line for the Baltimore Orioles, what do you see? It is tough to project because, you know, in terms of development-wise, the the Toronto Blue Jays weren't in a terribly dissimilar spot in 2021, graduating guys who were tearing up the league. And you would have said, hey, well, well, Vladdy's probably winning a triple crown by now, right? And no, we're talking about if he can get his swing right. But these guys look look very scary. I think, you know, you can project that a guy like Adley Rutschman is going to be an all-star for a very long time. Gunnar Henderson, at least right now, looks like he could be a guy that could be an all-star or at least a, a really serious hitter for a long time. I, I think the one thing you look at with Baltimore is what's the deal with the pitching. That That's what clouds my crystal ball for two years from now. D.L. Hulk, Grayson Rodriguez, their top two pitching prospects have had some struggles so far. And they're young guys, and, and that's what happens. But the Orioles don't necessarily have the youngest, most uh, projectable to the future pitching staff. And they're starting pitching right now has been solid, but not fantastic. So I think that's the one thing you look at with the fact that their starting pitching hasn't been phenomenal. They rely a ton on the bullpen, which is probably the most volatile position group year to year of anything. Relievers can go from great to not so great very quickly as, you know, some, some, and the other way around as some guys, you know, on the Blue Jays and on other teams have proven this year. So I I do think this team is a problem for years to come. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball right now and one of the best records. But for me, they do have to bolster some pitching before I look at them like I did, you know, a 2015 or 2016 Houston Astros and think, hey, this is going to be a problem, not just for now, but for near a decade. Yep, it's funny how the window uh, doesn't necessarily pass you by. We're not going there yet, and we're not making comparisons, but uh, you still have to make the right decisions, even with an abundance of young talent like the Baltimore Orioles seem to have. Uh, Ben, uh, enjoy the calls. Uh, Good luck for the next couple series here. Say hi to Blake for us, and uh, yeah, we'll be listening. Of course. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, We appreciate you coming on. That's Ben Shulman, the insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Yep, another big one tonight. uh, I keep saying tonight. Today, 1 p.m., so you get a little daytime viewing. Yusei Kikuchi, Tyler Wells on the mound. And then they head to Texas to play the Texas Rangers, some familiar faces, and they're doing quite well over there. So a big end to a series. Hopefully they can get a series win today. And then they play the Texas Rangers and the Miami Marlins before they head back home. So a little bit of a lengthy road trip here for the Jays, but an opportunity to put a big statement in.
today. Yeah, some good teams in front of them here. Uh, getting a series victory to start the road trip would be a wonderful thing. You say Kikuchi on the bump, another big spot for him. We'll see if he comes through. Okay, so that's today, 1 p.m. on Sportsnet and Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet 590 Fan, and of course, streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 and the Sportsnet app. Um, more to come on our show today. We've got another Canadian legend here, uh, Hinoch Mwamba, joining us, Toronto Argonauts linebacker, Grey Cup champ, 109th Grey Cup MVP and most outstanding Canadian. He's just won it all. It was a big year last year for the Toronto Argonauts, of course. They're looking to go back to back here. Uh, they start their season on Sunday. They're giving away 10,000 replica rings to the first 10,000 fans that arrive on their home opener on Sunday, which would be a cool keepsake to have. So he, ha- he had his hands on uh, three trophies after the Grey Cup victory, which would be entirely too much to take care of if you're Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if he shows a little bit more care to those trophies than one I'm sure Nikola he does. Jokic. I uh, remember this season when I was at the Leafs games working, he showed up right after they had won the Grey Cup and he had the trophy and got a rousing standing ovation. So... We'll ask him about that reaction. Saw him. He was uh, had a little interaction with Drake. He had an interaction with you <laughs> at a sure. Leafs just, game. Just as equal, those right? two. Right? <laughs> so we'll ask him about, you know, celebrating the Great Cup for a couple weeks afterwards. Yep. So big weekend here in Canada. You've got the, the kickoff for the Argos, at least. You've got the Blue Jays on a big series in Texas starting on Friday. And then you've got the U.S. Open. You've got the Canadian Grand Prix. Lots to look forward to. We're going to do a quick wake and rake to wrap up the show as well. So you can send those picks in. We have some head-to-heads for U.S. Open, which is good. The Tea times are a little later, so we're getting some prime time golf in your afternoon and evening, which is kind of nice. It's different. It's different. Like today when the Jays end at one, you just continue, or if they start at one, you continue on your couch all night and watch golf. So it's, it's a different feeling, but I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, Sunday it'll be like reversed, right? It'll be like watching the Jays. Actually, mm-hmm. they're in Texas, so maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, you'd be ending your night with golf, which is a new experience, a different experience, but one I can get behind. Let's do it. Um more to come in the final half hour. Hinak Mwamba after the break. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final block, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Cuthbert Forfar. I was just stretching, getting ready for the golf course. I'm going to limber You're gonna go up. through the whole routine here? i got to limber still up. Still got a half hour. Yeah, we still have a great guest. Yeah. I, who won the trifecta. Woo. Most outstanding player, most outstanding Canadian, and great cup champion, of course, at the 109th edition of the other national championship here. We just talked about Nick Taylor. Great cup, of course. Mm-hmm. Hinak Muamba, Toronto Argonauts linebacker, and, of course, great cup champion. How are we doing this morning? Doing very well. Doing very well. Thank you guys so much for having me this morning. Oh, not a problem. So, yeah, you won all the awards uh, at the Grey Cup. Has <laughs> has all that settled in yet, or is that still a bit humbling? You know what? It's slowly it's settling in, but definitely still humbling. And um, you know what? It, it, it's an amazing accomplishment that, you know, uh, myself and my teammates and my family will forever be proud of. And you should be. And we were talking, we've been joking around about Nikola Jokic all week since the Denver Nuggets won their championship and he's like always losing his MVP (laughs) award. So do you keep those prize possessions like close to you at all times or at least do you know where they are at all times? 
Oh, my goodness. Um, not really. They're at home. But the truth is, it's one of my favorite props to bring around when I do a lot of speaking engagements. I did quite a bit of that this past off season. went to a lot of different schools, uh, corporations, and uh, uh, it was just amazing and cool to kind of bring those around. And, you know, it kind of gives me a little bit more validity when I speak to people, right? They want to listen a little bit closer. Of course. The speaking engagements, I think, is a really awesome opportunity for you because, I mean, the Grey Cup and, and CFL certainly can use a little bit more uh, coverage and appreciation, I think. So when you get that opportunity to talk to, whether it's schools or whether it's businesses or, or whether it's corporations, like, what are you trying to, um, I guess, embark in terms of knowledge? Is it like the bet on yourself to continue to, to follow your dreams? Is it the, the determination and the amount of hard work and effort it takes to become a champion? Like, what is your big message? Like, what are you trying to impart when you get those opportunities to talk to all ages and, and all different types of people? Oh, my goodness. You guys want to get me started this morning, huh? Let's I go. Talk for days. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I really speak about, you know, my, my own experiences. And I often tell people that, you know what, like you are an expert at your own life, right? You lived it. And um, if you really pay attention to uh, on a day-to-day basis, then you learn so much and you attach yourself to mentors and to people that uh, encourage and, and um, you know, challenge you to grow, uh, then, then, then you are forced to grow and you learn so much. One of my models, myself and my wife, we always tell ourselves is uh, we want to live uh, uh, grow and help grow, right? And and so when you focus on a particular purpose, you allow yourself to grow. Uh, but beyond that, one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the past, in the last little while, especially through the breakup and the season that we had last year, is that um, oftentimes we we like to think that you know, hey, I want the prize, I want the trophy, I want the gold, I want the uh, uh, the promotion, I want the final end is what we focus on. But one of the biggest things that I learned is that it's not about the destination as much as it is about the journey, and um, the journey is where all the jewels are. Yeah, and the journey gets you to the spot where you can enjoy, uh, you know, the championship celebration and the afterglow of a championship. And uh, you definitely had that opportunity, right? Uh, so people, That's right. uh, you know, you're hanging out. Well, I don't know if you recognize the voice, but you're hanging out There's with no way my co-host, Ailish Forfar, at a Maple Leafs game no. <laughs> uh, a couple months ago. I saw a photo of you and Drake uh, hanging out at a Raptors game. What was like your favorite moment after the Grey Cup was won? Because yeah, you just mentioned it. Like that's what people see on Instagram and stuff, and that's mm-hmm. what people really want. But you got to put the grind in in order to earn the afterglow that you got to enjoy. Absolutely. Oh man, it, it's just been amazing, an amazing ride, amazing journey. Um, the, the the best moments. It's hard to even pinpoint one. Uh, but every single one that you mentioned were amazing. Um, having the opportunity to go to games, the multiple, you know, Raptor games and, and, and kind of now almost be familiar. I, I remember one week we went there three times or so, and then I was like, you know what, I can watch a game at home now. And uh, <laughs> But it's been amazing. The best, the most important part, though, has been to me and the, the, the people that I've been able to meet um, through – uh, you know, after after winning the Great Cup, I met some amazing individuals that um, are probably going to be in my life forever now, but have challenged me um, and and have opened my mind to a lot of different things. So uh, I'm excited for for you know the new relationships that have come along the way. So um, that I think has been the the, the most impact, impactful part. So I believe the team received uh, the championship rings earlier in this week or, or last week. Um, but your first impressions, what it's like to see that, the coolest little feature, because I know each championship ring always does something special or tries to have a feature that the players, you know, will remember forever. Was there something that you love most about the rings that you guys will proudly wear? 
Oh, man. I, so, fun fact, I was actually on the design committee. Nice. And so it was an amazing process, an amazing journey. Uh, but, however, I got to see the ring physically, I guess, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, for the first time I was with everybody else. And so I was uh, amazed like everyone was. And I loved every single feature, uh, every single detail that we took our time to uh, put in as well with uh, management. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there, we, we, I wanted, I wanted to be sure to put the, uh, the Toronto skyline because mm-hmm. I think, you know, Toronto is one of the, you know, greatest cities of all time. And so we put that up in there. But one of the things that we loved and we, we kind of enjoy is that, Hey, look, we'll put the CN tower there. Let's put some diamonds on there. Uh, why not? Right. We'll put <laughs> the great stuff there. Let's put some diamonds in there as well. Um, <laughs> whenever we didn't know what to do, we said, right, let's put more diamonds on there. So it was an amazing process, but the coolest detail I think to me is on the inside of the ring. Um, we have a, a, a rope that goes all the way around from the bottom to, to the top, literally surrounds it. And uh, there's a quote that we, we would say quite a bit um, with our teammates last year. And it's, it simply says uh, a, a, a three strand cord is not easily broken. And so it symbolized and, and speak and spoke to, um, you know, the three facets of the football game, uh, offense, defense, and special team. And, um, you know, it symbolized and, and, and spoke to how we came together. Uh, we're close knit and we never broke. That sounds great. Uh, I mean, the championship ring committee is like a nice little thing to put in your LinkedIn profile, I think. Yeah, I served on a championship ring I design ring rings. Committee. No problem. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Uh, so you had the opportunity to go elsewhere. If you wanted to this offseason, you chose to re-sign with the Toronto Argonauts. What went into that decision? Was it an easy one for you? I mean, when you're designing a championship ring, I'm just like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll come back here. Uh, it doesn't seem like too much of a stretch. Uh, but what went into the decision to come back to the Toronto Argonauts? No, 1,000%. It wasn't a difficult one at all. Um, you know, I, I've played, I've been around for, for long enough and I've, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, my career, my journey. I've been literally across the country. Football has taken me across the country, across the border, uh, even in the NFL. So, uh, I've had the chance to kind of see different cities and different cultures and different places. Uh, but really nothing compares to the time that I've been having at home. Um, you know, obviously winning a championship makes it that more, uh, much more special. But even championship aside, guys, even championship aside, um, being home is, is priceless, right? Um, you know, being able to kind of come to work uh, to the facility and, and train and work hard with my teammates who have become family and then go home and be with my family, right? Be with my wife and, and our three girls. There's nothing that can equate to that and that can uh, match or top it. And so um, as far as thinking about going anywhere else to me it wasn't it wasn't a difficult choice at all pleasure to speak with uh, Hinoch Mwamba this morning uh, great cup most outstanding player and champion in the 109th great cup last year at the Toronto Argonauts so season debut Sunday uh, we're excited to, to follow along this year what do you expect from the team this season is it to go back to back is it to continue that championship level of play and uh, some new players on the team that we might be looking out for 1000% I mean you know every team every year um, always changes. It's, that's just the nature of our, our business and the sport that we play. Um, so, well, but we're excited. We're excited for this upcoming season. This, um, you know, we, we, we lost a few players from last year, but it's always expected. Um, but a new quarterback, we got a new quarterback in Chad Kelly, and we, you know, actually believe that um, he has every single tool that you need in order to be successful at that position. 
He's the only one who's experienced. But, hey, how do you get experience? How do you gain experience? Well, you go out there and you start, you know, to, to, to tip away at it. And so he's going to be doing that. And we're excited and we're all rallying behind him. Um, and beyond that, there's a lot of guys and, and, and great leaders that we've had on the team for the last few years that are still present, still here. And so I never really feel like it's ever always on my own shoulders. And I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for everybody else to kind of grow and, and take another step in their careers, their journeys, um, you know, from last year to, to this year. So I'm excited. And I think the whole city should be as well. Okay. I'm excited about one specific new face on the team, uh, a former a classmate of mine, and uh, we both share the same alma mater in the States, Flo, Florin. Um, I know he joined this oh, year. Yeah. He's my buddy. I got to ask how he's fitting in, a new face with the Argos this year. And we, uh, yeah, we go way back, and uh, I'm really proud to see him uh, with the Toronto Argos. Stop it. Man, Flo is an amazing guy. Yeah. I got a chance to, actually, right after he signed, uh, I asked my coach, our defensive coordinator, for his number. We connected uh, just kind of to welcome in, mm-hmm. him to the city. And uh, he's an amazing player, amazing leader, and uh, his work ethic is like no other. And so, you know, I, I, he's a, a huge addition. You talk about new faces, you mm-hmm. talk about imp- impact, um, guys that are going to do that. He's definitely going to be one to watch um, on defense. He's, he's going to be a, a great leader for us in the locker room. And um, uh, I'm actually extremely excited for him because I kind of followed his career a little bit, you know, over the past few years in Calgary. And, you know, he, has, he had ups and downs and injuries, uh, you know, there. But uh, you still he's the type of player when you watch a game, he always flashes. You always recognize and you see him and you ask and you notice him like, hey, who is that guy? So I'm excited to kind of have him in a, in a double blue and, uh, you know, for him to be able to, uh, you know, cause chaos for the other uh, teams that we'll be playing. Uh, so it's not just on-field production from you. Uh, you produce content for the CFL. Uh, what's it like, you know, stepping into the media space while you're an active player and making content for a league where in which you are already one of their stars? Yeah, man, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've always been one to, uh, you know, just dive outside of my comfort zone. And um, it's been years now that I've been, um, you know, kind of stepping into different areas just to kind of always prepare myself to also uh, transition after football. Obviously, you know, I've been playing professional football for 11 years. I'm closer to the end than the beginning. Um, but uh, media has been one of those things, you know. Um, I created my podcast a couple of years back, and uh, I love storytelling. I love speaking, as you guys can tell right now. Um, but, uh, you know, media is one of those things that I kind of fell in love with years back and uh, uh, when I was actually in the NFL. And so I love talking to my teammates. I love talking to different individuals, um, their journeys, their stories, and, and, and uh, going back and forth. And then beyond that, to be able to do that with the CFL um, and, and sometimes with TSN as well or Sportsnet and whoever kind of reaches out to me, I'm always excited for it. Um, so um, it, it's an amazing experience. I grow, I learn, and, and I sit down with guys like Donovan Bennett and um, uh, Christina at the league office as well. It's, it's been absolutely amazing. So do you think it helps your game? Like you're breaking down the film from week one. I mean, you guys had a bye. You're sitting down. You're watching these games. You're talking about these games. Do you think it helps prepare you? Do you think you find and pick up some on some nuance that helps you actually be a better player on the field by doing media and doing the breakdowns that you're doing? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if it helped me per se any be- any more than 
uh, sitting down with my coaches as much as I already do. Uh, but what it does do, it challenges me in different areas, um, right? And so typically I'm used to watching a game and just talking about literally just X's and O's. But now I challenge myself to uh, try and make myself, um, you know, be understood when I talk about the game to the general public. And so it challenges me. And I think that, um, you know, it challenging me uh, cognitively speaking. Um, it, it also helps me when I do have to start thinking differently, even on the field as well. So in a, in maybe in, a, in, in some way, ways it does um but i i just love it it's you know putting myself in a, in a situation where i'm not the most comfortable at um although i've been doing it for for some time is uh an amazing feat and uh i love doing it uh the toronto argonauts open their season this sunday hosting the hamilton tiger cats the argos will be giving away replica rings to the first 10,000 fans at the home opener so you can wear the bling that Hinoch Mwamba <laughs> will be wearing. But I, I can't promise that you'll have all the other hardware, the, all the other pieces of hardware that Hinoch <laughs> Mwamba picked up at the 109th Great Cup. Uh, we look forward to that, and we look forward to catching up with you down the line, Hinoch. This was fun. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come back, and uh, if you guys need a ring, you know who to call. All right. There we go. Right. Say hi to Flo for me. And we'll, Our new we'll, ring guy. We'll, we'll chat soon. Love it. Thanks, I definitely Hinoch. will. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That's Hinoch Mwamba of the Toronto Argonauts. Awesome interview. He's a great guy. He also has one of the best handles in social media. He who knocks. Pretty. Pretty perfect. I'm just regretting this now. We should have asked him about the form on the Nick Taylor. Adam Hadwin tackle. Oh, get him back. Is he still on there? Yeah, we'll chat. Guess we got to do wake and rake. He'd probably give him a 10 out of 10. Probably. That's that's, that's that's flows. That is more flow. flow. We'll get flow. We'll we'll flow. We'll break it down. All right, let's do baby wake and rake to, to set us off. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, we got lots of submissions today, so let's get cooking. Um, Yusei Kikuchi, over two and a half earned at plus 100. He gives up a lot of home runs, and Baltimore is a good team. Are you going to read any, or do you want me to... Just making sure you can read the next one, just okay. so I can pick up where you were. Morning, guys. Big win last night. Tonight, like Kikuchi over one and a half walks. Why is everybody fading Kikuchi? Not fading him. He just had three last time out against Baltimore. That's, That's Cody what I was confused, and St. Catharines. Because I was staring at Kikuchi. I'm like, you just said Kikuchi. Am I reading the second, the same one over again? We don't have to go inside baseball. Uh, morning, Ailish and Justin. Happy Baby Friday in Montreal for F1 uh, with friends Ooh. from work for today's Wake and Rake going U.S. Open. Heads up. Brooks Kepka to yes. win versus Rory McIlroy. Like he also likes. Jay's money line plus money. That's career Chris. So have fun in Montreal. Career Chris is all over the place. Career Chris could also be a part of uh, the Hamlet tours for Ailish. You could just career rip us around. He would know. Little partnership uh, there. There you go. Makes hey sense. guys, looking forward to watching the U.S. Open today at L.A. Country Club. My three ball pick today: Hatton over ooh, Bryson and Molinari. The Hatton, I'm big on. Remember this week, you, mm-hmm. you laughed at me, but whatever. Hatton I'm is playing. Hatton is playing his best golf of his year. He's got three uh, three top fives in the last four events. Also, great value. Max Homa, who I'm also on, over Scheffler Morikawa, Homa, Southern California guy, familiar with L.A. Country Club, including a 61 there. Jared from Halifax and I sharing a brain. That's always a good sign. I'm playing both of those. I mean, I. I kind of like DeChambeau this weekend. He could go off, but if he's just like, if he's average, Hatton mm-hmm. destroys both those guys. So if, if it's near plus money uh, or even even money, I think that's a good pick. Okay, uh, let's go to Neil from Newfoundland. Good morning. Returning Milos Raonic back at ATP. He's killing it. I'm telling you, that word is He flew out of the gate fake. with his return match, winning <laughs> in straight sets. Now with one under his belt, he should look more comfortable today. Solid grass court opponent in Jordan Thompson. But if he plays like he did in his return, he will win. 
Brownouch back on the surface that he prefers. He's taken the spread. Minus one and a half games. Minus 110. Milos Raonic. It's 2023 and we're betting on Milos Raonic. Didn't think I'd say that. Times are crazy. Brandon from Whippy. Nick Taylor to make the cut at minus 120. Ian, the snowplow driver, plus money play of the day. Kikuchi has a 26% strikeout rate against the Orioles. Six plus strikeouts, plus 125. Mm. In future reference, Brios is the best record in Major League Baseball against the Orioles. 10-0. and Okay. Rolling with Team Forzy and putting some money down on Matt Fitzpatrick to shoot. Team Forzy. I love this. Team Forzy shirts are getting <laughs> produced here. Matt Fitzpatrick to shoot under 69 and a half and start a strong bid to re- repeat at the U.S. Open. Ryan in Toronto, my guy. Okay, final one. Busy, busy wake and rate. Corey from Port Hope likes the Astros minus one and a half versus Washington. Christian Javier on the mound for the Astros. Like him to take care of business. I got to say, it's been a couple days without Ron and Jules. So I miss you guys. Hope all is well. Are you on vacay? Send me a message thinking of you guys waiting for your texts. It's not the same. Um, okay. My wake and rake pick. Let me put mine in there. Just bow over uh, one and a half total bases. I think today, big game, big opportunity to win against the Orioles. He's been one of the hottest players in baseball. Best hitter. So let's go. Uh, Bo Bichette over one and a half bases today. So I was distracted because I was looking up the Argos line. They're plus two and a half point dogs at home to Hamilton this weekend. So just wanted to throw that out there as we transitioned. Uh, clearly, I cannot play that because it is on the weekend. I'm going to, I've been really struggling this week. It's been a rough one. I didn't one. want to bring it up, but yeah. I will bring it up. I'm going to take the under. And this, the line's going the opposite way on this. I'm going under Great. Angels and Rangers. That's kind <laughs> okay. of scary. Angels, Rangels, under. But Nathan Eovaldi has been a stud for the Rangers. Shohei Otani's on the bump for the LA Angels. Okay. I think these two pitchers will keep things... L- logically, I like it, Justin. In check today. Okay, okay. so uh, let's pick a golf one. Um, I'm, either, I'm either thinking Brooks to beat Rory, because I think we're both confident on that, even though I don't have Brooks. Um and sometimes it's hard to find three ball for others. So you Homa can do, is aggressive. Homa is aggressive. Um, and then Tyrell Hatton over uh, Bryson and Molinari is hard to find three ball. But you can definitely find Brooks to beat Rory straight up. And it's a later tee time. I think it's 4 o'clock. So should we just do that? Let's do it. Okay, so Brooks to beat Rory today. I'm seeing that at like minus 105. Um, under 8.5 total runs in the Angels and Rangers. And Bo Bichette over 1.5 total bases. Plus 593 today. On your baby Friday. Because you've uh, mastered the ATP pronunciation, do you want to give it give it to us? I'm good. Um, Hurtengombosh. Nope. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, shoot. I thought you had. I was that first syllable or, yeah, I was, I was You came in there, real hot And then there. I just lost you it. You added something. Yeah, there's too many extra letters. Like, how many, <laughs> how many consonants in that word, Neil? Neil's just thrown, he could probably put, put fake names in there that aren't oh, actual tennis players. Could. And we're like, oh, yeah, I really like... Uh, smorgasbord to, to win today nice. <laughs> that name is definitely a smorgasbord okay can justin and i shoot um under 995 today at uh bray ben we're headed out there with aaron ambrose gold medalist today yes we can under 95 i think over under oh, 0.5 birdies combined i think today we we're getting say. a birdie someone's getting a birdie yeah. you know hole 14 is my hole i said bury me in that one day because uh that's the spot that i will shine today all right everybody have a happy happy baby friday we'll be back tomorrow morning